Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the American Citizens Podcast. My name is Gray. Joined as ever by Josh. Um. And, and for once in our lives, we get to discuss a game that I don't think either of us can even find the slightest thing to complain about without sounding stupid. Petty at the minimum. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's rare that you get a game where your best player misses a chance from about six inches and you barely even remember it at the end. But that is where we are after... 6-0 over Chelsea. And, um... Which should have been 8, as the aforementioned whiff by Aguero, though he would have been ruled offside, so it wouldn't have mattered, but uh, the whiff by Aguero, and then let us not count um... Golly, why am I drawing up a blank now? Oh, it'll come back to me. There is another goal in there that was... Oh, yeah. the penalty! The yeah. penalty! Yeah, Jesus got shoved, but at 5-0, yeah. you just sort of stop calling things. Yeah, yeah. And, um, that, that's why I couldn't remember it, is because it was so nicky-picky that yeah. I was like, eh, it was a penalty, but I'm not mad at it. Aguero hit the crossbar, too, on a header. So yeah. That's, that's eight that we've just come up with there. No, nine. Nine, nine that we've just come up with, nine. just sort of, uh, without even thinking that hard. So... The, honestly, that was one of my the fav, my favorite games that I've seen City play since uh, ever starting to watch them on um, any year on any level. Um, I don't. I, I'm not one of those people who just obsessively hates Chelsea. I don't like them. I mean, but I also don't dislike them as much as I dislike Man United or Liverpool or. Even Arsenal, really, to a certain degree. Um, Arsenal are harmless, but they're so haughty about it that it's just fun to make fun of them. Um, I don't particularly care about Chelsea. I don't really like the way they run their club, but I don't. In, in not, you know, I'll get into that later. But it's it, they're not like my least favorite club, nor are they particularly close to it. But they're still Chelsea, and especially, you know, they. I just like Chelsea a lot more when they have Mourinho, but they're still Chelsea, and it's still a team that is one of the traditional powers in 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 this league. And to see a game like that, to see them so thoroughly eviscerated, um, in 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 such comprehensive way, where it just they never even seem to have a real chance. Once the first and especially the second goal went in, it was just, it was a joy from start to finish, basically. So much fun and so encouraging for the future because it seems like after they had that little wobble in December, they have found it again and it doesn't look like it's going away right now. I I guess, I guess the point is I don't remember 
the last time I saw them, they've played really well over the last however many, no doubting that. however many weeks. But to see them, you know, as as many people pointed out, yeah, they they went and they beat Burton nine nil or whatever. That wasn't Burton. No, that was very far away from Burton. And yet the scoreline was very nearly every bit as convincing. And I feel like they're playing better than they have all season right now. Do you agree with that assessment? Which part, the Burton or the Chelsea? Uh, the, the, the assessment that they're roughly playing as well as they have all season right now. Chelsea? Uh, City. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. City are doing as well as they possibly can. They're not playing lights out. There's some latches at the back. There's some momentary breakdowns. But, again, we talked about this on the last podcast. Last year was so damn good. You have to expect it to come down a little in terms of the overall quality. It's not fair to ask those athletes to keep that torrential pace. Um, but I am encouraged by what I'm seeing. This was a team that was fearless of Chelsea, just absolutely fearless. They just went in there and tore them apart. And that very clearly sends a message to Liverpool. Like, look, go ahead, mess up. We dare you. It's fun because the last time we sat down and recorded a podcast was on an afternoon in which Liverpool were playing at home against Leicester. Um, And when we finished recording that day, the game was still going on. It was 1-1 in the second half. And I think both of us expected after we uh, closed out the Skype call and moved on with our lives for the day that um, we would both end up watching uh, someone in win a dodgy penalty in Salah convert a dodgy penalty in the 96th minute of three added minutes, um, and that didn't happen. And then they went and they drew at West Ham in a game that they frankly should have lost. Um, and lo and behold, as we sit here now and t- discussing City or top, admittedly Liverpool have an extra game to play. Um, also, admittedly, that game is against Man United, which could at Man United, which you know, on on one hand they have been playing a lot better as of late. On the other hand, as PSG so masterfully exhibited yesterday, they have still have massive structural flaws at that club. So I'm not going to sit here and try to figure out what's going to happen in that game because I don't know. But the point is, at the bare minimum, we have we very much have a title race on right now, and. I don't really see it. It's it's hard for me at this point to see either one of these teams dropping large amounts of points before the end of the season. I think they're going to roughly be within a game of each other, two points, three points. Um, you know, there will be slips, I expect, but I think I think we have entered into a a point where these teams are both going to push each other as far as they can possibly go. I don't really think anybody's going to open up a seven-point gap over anyone else again. Um, I I think Liverpool, frankly, had their chance to kill off the title race twice, and they blew it both times, Um, both in the head-to-head matchup against City and... um, after the city's defeat to Newcastle when they could have put themselves seven points ahead again. 
and they failed to do that, and then they drop points again, and, and, and now we're we're back. Essentially, essentially, City are a game behind because all things equal, Liverpool are three points ahead, but City are going to have a goal difference advantage. It's hard to see that not happening um, unless some things happen, and you figure that City will continue to boost their goal difference as long as they win, and Liverpool can keep winning too, but it's hard to overhaul 10 goals when the team ahead of you is winning too. So, frankly, I think City do have the built-in goal differential advantage at, at this point, and if that narrows, then it means City are dropping points anyway and losing ground that way. So, um, basically... What do you... What do you make of the potential of FIFA dropping the away goals rule since we're here? I don't care for it. I don't – there's an old quote, um, and it's it's kind of a weird quote to use in this context, but it is essentially democracy is the worst form of government except for all the other ones. And that's kind of the way I feel about away goals. Um, I don't love the system, but at the same time, I also don't really want to see a – two-legged Champions League tie decided on penalties. I don't like that. I'm not a fan of that. So, I don't... I don't and, and I think as we both know, you know, there's a lot of Americans out there who are like, well, why can't somebody... Why can't they just play till they score? And if you've ever watched two soccer teams playing after 120 minutes... You know what it feels like to watch two teams who have lost, who have completely lost all their energy, and they might play for another 120 minutes without coming close to scoring. So that doesn't work either. So I'm not in love with the away goals rule, but I would rather it exist than not exist. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it. Can I be heard? You can be heard. Okay. I'm using the mute on my headset as opposed to the one on the desktop, so it just makes a different sound when I chime back in. So if I'm talking and you don't hear anything, just say, Josh, press the button. Um, listen, I like the away goals rule because I think it's some, it's something unique. I think it's, it's a, a different type of rule to introduce uh, into the sport or into sports. Uh, that said, I'm not married to it. And if they got rid of it and replaced it with something better, something that produced um, equal measure moments of drama and sensibility, uh, I am I am totally in favor of moving on. Um, I'm okay with that too. I just don't know what it would be. And the yeah, best, I have best, nothing to put forward. Yeah, the best point that I saw, the best argument I saw in favor of the away goals rule is that. Um, in virtually every circumstance, someone is playing to try to come back, to try to win. There's no no sitting around playing for penalties or stuff like that. I mean, obviously, there are situations where penalties can come into play. But in almost every circumstance, at least one team in every Champions League tie in a situation where that sort of thing matters is trying to win. Yeah. Um and, I think and, it matters. I think yeah. it matters. I think it and makes. I think that's 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 the ultimate goal is that you don't want two teams passing the ball around waiting for the end of waiting for the end of a game so they can just go to penalties or whatever. You want people to be trying to win. That's the entire reason that the Premier League went to uh, started awarding three points for wins instead of two. It was to encourage um, teams to stop settling for draws and give them a little bit more incentive to go for wins. So. 
I think the away goals rule serves a similar function. Absolutely agree with you. What? I'm going to ask this partially because I have a cookie in my mouth and want to finish it, and partly partially because you genuinely do come to, come up with great ideas. But not to put you on the spot, what possible alternative could you come up with that would be just as fun? I, if I had that idea, I would I would be sending emails to FIFA right now. I I just. Uh, I just feel like every alternative comes down to some form of a sudden death penalty shootout. Um, and, and I'm not, I, and like I already said that I just, I don't like it coming to that. Um, it's, I, I, I guess, I guess one thing that you could, I guess you could argue, make an argument in favor of Golden Goal. In which, if it's, you know, if if you are at, if, if you're at 90 minutes, um, and, 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 um, and, like, like, let's say Tottenham right now are, are uh, this isn't really a good example, um, Tottenham are 3-0 up on, on, on Dortmund right now. Now, suppose Dortmund were to score in the next 12 seconds, which is not going to happen, but um, that would mean Tottenham win 3-1, but Dortmund get an away goal. Now, if you go to Dortmund and, let's say, Dortmund win 2-0 um, to, to, to make it level 5-5 on the tie, that would normally put Dortmund through on away goals. I guess what you could really do if you want to make things more interesting is play an extra time period and see if someone can score there. Um, but if, say, no one scores at the end of it, then the away goals kicks in. But that's basically just adding an extra half hour of football that sort of feels superfluous. It would def- it would create more drama, but I'm not sure it's worth it in the end. It's though the the thing I've always seen is that so much with the athletes being favored right, back too. Right. The, th- the thing that I've always seen is, is, is that makes a good point is that, look, if you haven't been able to get a lead or what have you in 180 minutes of action, you know, how much more do you need? Is another half hour really, you know, is that is that fair to the team that has played 180 minutes of football and has earned a win in some form? Even if it's an away goals win. Is that really fair to them? And frankly, that does ring true with me. I am. So. Come get your point. So I'm. Come on. I'm not in love with the away goals rule. I never have been. But also, when I sit down and think about it, I come to the realization that what the heck else are we going to do? It's even remotely fair. So. It's. It's. It's meh, but everything else is worse. Is just kind of the conclusion that I come to with that. Um, can can we talk a bit about Sergio Aguero? Because I, I I there have been multiple occasions on this podcast where we have said I think that Sergio Aguero might be coming to the end of his time at this club. Um, he doesn't seem to be meshing with what Pep demands of him. He doesn't seem to be happy. We've had Sam Leon before, and he told us, you know, even though at, the, at that point the speculation had died down, he said, I wouldn't 
I would still be watching. I would still keep an eye on the Aguero situation. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure he wants to be here. I'm not sure Pep wants him here. I'm not sure all is well there. I'm not sure he's happy with his role. It's pretty clear that Pep sees Jesus as the future and increasingly the present. And boy, it took a little while, but he has both embraced what was expected of him, and frankly, I think this is the best he has ever played in a Manchester City shirt. And that's saying something, because he's had some really good stretches. But he is a machine right now. And even when he misses chances like the one he did miss against Chelsea, he will pop up four minutes later and score an absolute worldie from 25 yards out. Oh, how good was that shot? Um, and and that you forget about the misses pretty quickly when that happens. So, and, uh, do you think this is the best, the best Sergio Aguero that Manchester City has seen since his arrival? How good was that shot? Outside the box. So good. Goal, right. goal of the season, on a, on a scale of 1 to 10, it reminded me, as it was happening, I can't remember the game. I know it was a weekday afternoon, so I want to say it was either an important cup tie or a Champions League and they were talking about Aguero. He'd been pinned up on the sideline, and two moves later, he was free and just charging in on the goal. Um, I don't think he necessarily converted it, but the announcers were like, this is what makes Aguero so impossible to defend. In a matter of two minutes, he has completely gone from inert to just Carol Danvers in full binary mode, like... That's the thing that struck me about that goal, is that normally when you see a goal like that, it comes when teams are backing off a guy, and he's got, like, they're, like, daring him to take a shot, he's got yards of space around him. He was surrounded. He had guys breathing down his neck in front of him. Basically, the only route he had to take any sort of shot was the shot he took. He had a slight opening to his right, and he took it. But there were, he was being hassled. He, Zinchenko was like right behind him, like, I'm here to help you out if you need to get rid of it, buddy. He's like, no, screw you, I'm doing this. You don't normally see goals like that scored in that little space. No, no, you don't. And that's what was so impressive about it. It was so, it literally was like watching a wild animal spring to life seemingly out of nowhere to bag its prey. Does that make sense? It does. It makes perfect sense. It was just a sight to behold. <clears throat> and, and we've got people talking now about how he might be the, the best pure goal scorer in the history of the Premier League. And, I think he... and, you know, it's getting harder and harder to argue that point. And I think it's... The guy has still never really won any awards. He's never been in the team of the year. He's never been a player of the year. It's it's amazing to me, and it feels like he's been underappreciated so long, <clears throat> and people are finally starting to snap back and give him his due, and it's a little bit late for that, but better late than never. True breeze status. Yeah, um, and I think that, you know, if... I think if he, he has, like, a big Champions League campaign this year, then I think that will basically solidify him what we already know, 
but that the rest. Is... I want I want so very badly for Aguero to just have a Champions League final, even if they don't win. I want it to be like four three, and Aguero produced the hat trick and had a penalty saved. Like, look, he just deserves his chance to shine on the big screen, on the biggest stage of them all. Whenever City have needed him, whenever City have 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 needed a moment from him, whenever they've needed somebody as a as a as a city um, to lean on after bombings. Um, you know, post takeover and feeling no hope going down to QPR uh, when it looked like all you just had to do was beat a team that was already going for regulation um, and, 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 and Sergio Aguero's he's behind all these moments he's front, he's center and um Man, I know we say this a lot about David Silva and to an certain to a certain extent Kevin De Bruyne, but I have to tell you, man, I'm gonna miss the hell out of Sergio Aguero when he retires. For my money, he is the single best goal scorer to have ever played in the Premier League. I think the only other goal scorer to have ever played in the Premier League on his level. Well, two. I would say Cristiano Ronaldo and, um, God dang it, man. That is just on the top of my head and now Henri? it's going. No. 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 Honoré did a lot, but he was also such a complete, he was such an all-around attacking creative player. Right. Aguero's not really as creative as Henri was, but he's a no, but predatory goal scorer. Just scores and scores and scores and scores. It's the sheer volume of what he does that that in addition to his precision, he's almost like Luis Suarez is who I was gonna say. Oh yeah. I think in the grand scheme of things he was here so briefly and he really only started to hit his peak just as he was leaving Liverpool Um, but that guy's goal scorer is is but but as throughout his career I think it's it's either him or Eric Cantona for you, you know like just sheer time. He's not. He's one of those guys who doesn't really get the publicity because he's like him and Silva both are very soft spoken. They don't talk yes. a lot off the pitch. They don't really make a lot of headlines. Aguero has has made more than Silva, but not mm-hmm. a ton. Um, if Aguero does make him, they're always yeah. for some positive. The, the one, the one thing was that that <laughs> car crash in Amsterdam, which was stupid and also not really his fault. <laughs> Um, it, it, it's just they don't get into trouble. They don't talk a lot. They don't really go out of their way to self-promote. So they're they're not say what you will about Ronaldo, but he's the master of self-promotion. Everybody knows who he is because he makes sure that you do. These guys don't, and I think it has hurt them in some ways in marketing and and re- recognition from the from from the 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 greater you know the journalists and and fans around the world. 
but frankly, I think that especially once they're gone, people will start to realize just how much they contributed to both the club and the league. Fuck yeah. I mean, how can you not? Like, Sergio Aguero as a whole is has just been a gift to the Premier League. He really has. And I know that not all that the, the great ones don't always win the ultimate prize, the coveted European Cup, and that Aguero's running out of time. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think Jesus is competent enough to get the job done without him. I think they'd have to bring someone in post-Aguero, because I just don't think Jesus is that guy, but we can get into that in a little. Um, I just say, and, and I know you agree, uh... This club deserve and should win a title with 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 Kuhn on board. Yeah, he's won everything else at club level. He's actually, believe it or not, he's never won the FA Cup, which is not like something that's going to be a giant hole in his career if it can, if it stays right. that way. But <laughs> it's 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 one of those like minor things that's always just kind of bothered me that he's never won the yeah he's he's never won the FA Cup somehow because he joined up the year after they won it. Um, we'll taking care of this here yeah, for you. But. They, they seemed, I mean, look, I'm not really going to spend a lot of time previewing the Newport County game, but you would figure, you would figure that City are going to find a way through to the sixth round. Um, if they don't. Yeah, and, and frankly, the one team that has shown the consistent ability to, to, to threaten them in Liverpool are already out of the competition. Right. So... I, I feel, if depending on how much they prioritize it, I feel I feel pretty good about the FA Cup. Um, the other thing that I would add about the state of City right now is that, frankly, for the first time all season since the beginning before he got hurt, Kevin De Bruyne looks like he's getting fit again. Mm. And that it, it's almost like a January signing, and I know that's a cliche, but you are getting one of the best players in the world. You're getting him to full fitness right before the toughest part of your season. And he's, you know, you don't want to sit here and be like, oh, he's well-rested, but he doesn't have the mileage on his legs this year that his teammates do, and that could help. That really could make the difference here coming into these later months now that, you know, the inverse of that is what's going to happen with Fernandinho, but maybe the rested De Bruyne will enable him to sort of play back there and provide a little bit of cover um, against teams that are going to press and attack and try and disrupt Fernandinho is the point of of, of uh, point of focus. So, um, I mean, I I I think that having a fresh De Bruyne back is an excellent thing. I truly do. Um, I hope that this year it actually amounts to something. Yeah. Um, what? What going into Champions League has you nervous? Not, not oh crap, we're going to lose because of this, but just doesn't give you the finest of feelings. It's kind of what you alluded to, the fatigue factor. I also don't, you know, the draw is the great wild card of the Champions League. City have been rather fortunate. They got Schalke. That is a team that on paper they are significantly superior to. Um... But it's it's one of those things where the combination of the wrong draw and fatigue 
could sink them in the wrong setting. Like, that is a conversation that Liverpool are still in. Will they get past Bayern? I don't know. They might. They might not. Um, and I, you know, the fatigue factor is absolutely on the table for Liverpool as well. Do you think Liverpool get past Bayern? I think they will. Okay. But I'm not, like, I wouldn't, like, bet more than, like, a dollar on it. Um, because I, I think the fatigue factor for Liverpool, and it's a well-documented thing with Jurgen Klopp's teams, um, and yes, they're out of the FA Cup, so they don't have that to worry about, but that is, in the grand scheme of things at this point, a maximum of four games that they won't be playing. Um, if they make a deep run in the Champions League, those games are going to come thick and fast down the stretch. And if they're caught in a close title race, City's depth, I think, is superior. Maybe that makes the difference. I don't know. There's a lot of very small variables that come into play when you're talking about a title race that is essentially that as close as it looks like it might end up being. No, um, I absolutely agree with you on that front. Like, I I mean, I, I, these things are, you know, fine margins and, and, and whatnot. Um, I mean, hell, it's like we said... A little while ago, City were completely out of this thing, and then, you know, Liverpool... Like, now we're kicking ourselves over that Newcastle game. Yeah, right? if they'd have won the Newcastle game, then they would be, be top with the game. You know, Liverpool could win the game in hand, and they would still be top of the table. Yeah, and it's like, forget about that Salah. <laughs> uh, it's it's it just... I think I think both of us are guilty of, of sometimes forgetting just how fast things can change in this league. Like we, well, it's it took literally two. You know, we went from the low of the Newcastle game where oh god they're going to be seven points clear tomorrow and we're done to literally, I it was less than a week later that we were talking about essentially they can go top if they beat Everton, which they did. Right. It's just it you don't. I think part of it is because Liverpool had seen so invincible for so long that you just see Leicester home and you just think, oh, yeah, they're going to find a way to win that. I knew. I knew that that whole invincibility aura with Liverpool was was a myth. Like, I knew it was only a matter of time before someone figured out what they were doing. Like, I mean, even Pep Guardiola got figured out last year. It's just City had the depth to win a lot of those games. Well, we haven't really seen Jurgen Klopp be tested so much. Um, his style is kind of his style, you know? Um, so I, I think... I think, um, I don't know, I always say it comes back to what happens in this Champions League tie with Bayern, you know? If Liverpool feel good, if they feel in it, if they feel spry, if they're going to give it a go, then I think the league's wide open. But if they make their decision and they capitulate the Champions League in favor of securing a first league title in 20 years... I legit, even though it's only a three-point deficit, I do legit think it becomes harder because Liverpool are essentially then saying nothing else matters to us but that crown. And it's awfully hard to overcome a team with that much talent already at the top of their myopic goal. <laughs> Absolutely. and But, I, you know, I would pause on the other side. You know, there is a psychological angle to the title race. And 
I do think that last week they steadied themselves. Liverpool have been very good at steadying themselves when they have setbacks. But I do think that they froze up a little bit after the Leicester thing happened. And it carried over a bit into the next game, which they were lucky to take a point from, honestly. So, you never, you know, if one weird result can change things. Like, they wobbled after the City game. They got knocked out of the FA Cup shortly after because I think they were a little bit shaken up that they were beaten like that. They didn't, you know, they at, up to that point, they hadn't lost in the league all season, and they had, and I think they wobbled a little bit. When Liverpool dropped points, in they seem to, it, it seems to, it takes them a game to get it out of their system. Like, obviously, they went home, they played Bournemouth last weekend, they had a very easy time of it because Bournemouth away is, Bournemouth away from home aren't a very good team. But, you know, they they were frankly outchanced by West Ham away from home. Their only goal was offside. Um, if, if West Ham, if Declan Rice had been able to keep a header down, it would have probably been 2-1 to West Ham. Um, so that's... That's a case where, you know, they looked a little bit shell-shocked that night. And then they got it together, and then they were back on uh, back on track, and right now they seem to be back on track, although who knows, you know, what's coming up, what could happen. So there is the physical concerns, and there is the prioritizing, and there are the mental concerns. And we, you know, City players have won a title before, but they've never been in a close title race. Last you never know where Liverpool are. Yeah. I should say the bulk of these city players. I mean, several of them that date back to 2011, 2012 have been. But a lot of the guys who've shown up uh, shown up after 2014 haven't. You know, last year they were they had won it by December. They didn't really have a lot to worry about. So, but on the other hand, you do have the guys like Aguero and Silva, and even the guys who were here in 2014, like Fernandinho, who had to come from behind against Liverpool. They have some experience in 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 sort of mentally dealing with a title race that looks like it's gone, looks like it's coming back, looks like it's gone, looks like back and forth and back and forth, tight to the end. Will that matter? I don't know. It's probably overstated, but it's there. What do you think it takes for City to look at this race and say, I don't want to say, okay, what does it take for them to look and say they're back in it? They're already back in it. At what point, if you're City, do you feel like... When you look at Liverpool's schedule, where do you say, okay, we're going to pass them here and it's a done deal? I don't know that it will be a done deal until the season's a done deal. <clears throat> um, because you, as you do look at Liverpool's schedule, um, they have to go to United. That's kind of a wild card. Um They do have to go to Everton. Now, Everton are crap right now. But derbies are derbies. Anything can happen in a derby. Um, and after that, the, the problem with Liverpool is they are going to a lot of bad teams. Because I, I looked at the away games first. Because those are where they're more likely to drop points, let's be honest. Um, the, the, they're very good at home. And, and the fact of the matter is they're, they're more likely to drop points away from home. So after you get past those two games at Fulham, relegation candidate, at Southampton, relegation candidate, at Cardiff, relegation candidate, at Newcastle, relegation candidate. Now, the flip side of that is that sometimes late in the season, these relegation candidates uh, can become wounded animals, high Newcastle, and do things that you don't expect them to do. Um, 
if nothing else, it ensures that they won't be playing like 10th, 11th place sides that know they're not going to be in Europe, but also know they're not going to be facing relegation and thus don't really have a lot to play for. Maybe that helps. Maybe I'm grasping at straws. They do have to host Tottenham. They do have to host Chelsea. Those Chelsea, less interesting to me now. Who knows what state they'll be in by April when that game will happen. Tottenham should have Kane back by the time they play that game. But Tottenham under Pochettino, for as good as they have been, have always kind of had a hard time going away to top teams and winning. So, their game is worth watching. They're, they're, they could absolutely drop points against Tottenham. But I don't know if they will. Now, if you look at City, City, I think this was a really tough stretch for them that they've gotten through here. Because, um, you know, Arsenal, Everton, Everton away... I say people say Everton, oh, Everton are bad, you know. Okay, maybe they are, but they City have had so many bad times at Goodison Park that frankly Everton could be a twentieth, and I would still be like, oh god, I don't want to play this game. So they've done that, they've got that out of the way. Um, and then you look at the rest of the way; they have to go to Bournemouth, Bournemouth or Bournemouth. They have to go to United. City have done very well at, at United lately. We'll see how you what state United are by mid March when. Well, that game might be postponed because of FA Cup. What do you make of them right now? Um, I made a lot more Holy, of them before Holy yesterday. Final shot of Premier League, man. I know, and there's going to be slip-up games, but yeah, I mean, he becomes the first manager since uh, since Fergie to pull a Premier League manager of the month for United. There's a lot of the. Here's the thing about United for me right now is that they're obviously better. They've had the shackles taken off them. I think it's really a really simple thing and that they've just been allowed to play in a way that suits them better. Because they do have some really good attacking players, and they've been playing weak teams, and they're just, they're essentially, the game plan is go get them. They still have defensive right. vulnerabilities, and PSG exposed that yesterday. Phil Jones is mm-hmm. still... <laughs> um, they still have significant structural issues defensively. I think it's a combination of... Um, a guy who's not a total jerk comes. <laughs> it is. It has to be a breath of fresh air to get a guy to go from Jose Mourinho to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. No doubt in my mind. Um, so everyone's a little happier. Everyone has a bit more freedom. That helps the attacking players. That makes everybody feel a bit better. That's inevitably going to probably lift their spirits and subsequently their form. They've played a lot of weaker teams. That has helped them. They have their finishing has been better. I'm not sure how sustainable that is because the numbers indicate that there has been some luck involved in this, as well as playing bad teams. Um, I don't. I do think they're going to come back to earth a bit, but I do also think they're competitive for a top four spot from here on out. Um, but I also think that United can go there and beat them because those they can exploit those defensive vulnerabilities in ways that a team like. Bournemouth can't as well. So, I don't know. You know, if PSG went in there and, and United didn't really look like they had a clue, honestly. They were awful. They were really, really poor from start to finish. So, th- I think that was a reality check as, as to what happens when you go up against a team with top-level talent, and that team with top-level talent was missing two of its top talents. So, frankly, I would put the city, you know, assuming that nothing serious happens before... March, I would put the City team that will probably play at Old Trafford as more talented than the PSG team that went there yesterday. As good as Mbappe is, and boy is he good, <clears throat> top to bottom, I would still take City on paper. 
Um, I would take City on paper over PSG at any point in there. Yeah, even with uh, Neymar. Neymar. I don't care. I don't think PSG have what it takes to beat City. I think there's been a bit of an overreaction to that game on, on, on that side of, wow, PSG looked really composed. Yeah, PSG were playing a United team that a month ago didn't look like they were going to even to the <laughs> Right, <anymore>. right. It's, <laughs> like, let's, maybe, let's maybe be fair with this I, composition, I man. I suppose it's, it's true that both PSG are really composed. Maybe they've matured in Europe, and, wow, Man United are no longer one of Europe's elite. Maybe they're both true, but it feels like one of those is more true than the other. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um... So, uh, wait a Start some generalities. I want to get at you. The transfer window's largely closed. You've had time to process how you feel about everything. The lack of help, the lack of of uh, really any attention paid to, to the needs of the club during this transfer window, once again setting up for a sizable spend in the summer. Uh, as it seems to go, one month, one summer spend, one summer don't. One summer spend, one summer don't. Um, which I'm not saying that's a bad practice, but that seems to be where we are head dead. Um, what are your personal feelings? Uh, my personal feelings are that they have to sign a left back and a Fernandinho competitor in the summer. Um, there may be some other things that I could nitpick. Um, I, I saw this morning that company is apparently going to sign an extension to remain the world's uh, most highly paid uh, player coach. Because let's be honest, this would not be afforded to any other city player, even Silva, if no. Silva had that kind of injury history. No. This is purely a, this is, this is purely a move out of respect to Vincent Company's importance they, in the dressing room. David Silva. Eh. This is. I think this is purely a move born out of Vincent Company's immense contribution to the dressing room and his leadership abilities. That's, he's, the guy's not going to stay fit. The guy's not going to be a big contributor on the field. But this is this is basically a lifetime achievement award. <laughs> I can accept that. I disagree. I think they would give it to one or two other players on the club, but. I also agree with what you're saying. I think Aguero would get one, 93-20. He'd yeah, get one. If he wanted one, I think he could get one, yeah. Uh, um, and I think and I think David Silva, uh, I don't think he would ask for one, but if he wanted one, I think David Silva would get one. He's generally considered by a lot of fans to be their favorite player to have ever played at the club, and a lot say the best two had ever played. Um, in a Man City kit. So, um, you know, you, you mix in all those feelings, and I think those are your three players right there. I would agree with that. After a long and illustrious career, Kevin De Bruyne will get carried off like Rudy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't... The, the, I kind of stop thinking about transfers the minute the window closed because I just sort of like, oh, they're not going to do this. Can we sign Juan Basaka from Crystal Palace? That guy doesn't let anyone get past him. Yeah. Um, and I think he'd be perfect. I've read I've read uh, much on him. Uh, I, I, I have seen him mention... That's the name I'm going to throw out for today. On, on, the, on the record here, 
He's English. He's probably probably a future. I believe he's English. Um, he's probably yeah. He's English. He's probably a future England international. Um, I keep seeing the stats of how few guys have been able to successfully dribble past him. Um, and 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 get to the like, he was legitimately, he like he was legitimately a huge reason that Crystal Palace were able to win at Man City because he took away one of the wings from City basically. Um, even Sané had a hard. He Sané did was one of the few to get past him, but even he had a hard time with it. Um, so that's that's the guy. That's the guy that I would single out at this point as. Speedy. As as, as a guy who could very much jump up to this level and contribute at the left back position, I think he ticks all the important boxes. So that's 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 my name for the day. Well, he's a right back. Um, but that said, he takes. Uh, well, then I would I would happily. Really... Look, 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 look! If Benchenko and Delph can play yeah, he's left, a right back. I'm I mean, sure. look, the guy's six foot. He's 21 years of age. Let's be honest. It's not like we're both sitting here thinking that Danilo has a huge future with Manchester City. I like the guy, right. but he's a squad player, and he's not going to be around forever. Understood and agreed. Even Kyle Walker is getting up there toward 30. You got to. Walker's you, getting up there toward it's time to replace him. Let's just get Juan Basakas. Let me. There's a 21-year-old English right back on the market who you think can make the jump to this level. you got to go and do it. Agreed. Has Is this just a name that you've put out? or Because I've seen people talking about him. Has there been... I've seen people talking about him. I'm not sure how serious the links are. I know they've been linked to Chilwell at left back from Leicester, which yeah. I also wouldn't mind. Um yeah. And I know I literally saw this morning that they were linked to a um, a, a defensive mid. Oh, and Dom Bele from Lyon, which is ex- which is exactly what I would favor at this point. Um, I'm not sure how legitimate, how serious that is, but they were linked to Dom Bele in the press this morning, and I would be totally in favor of that move to give cover and slash eventual replacement for Fernandinho. Yep. I, uh, I think it's time to start replacing Ben Mendy. I don't know about replacing so much as complimenting. They need to not rely on Fabian Delph. Yeah. They need to let Fabian Delph be what he is, which is an amazing, you know, they need, they need a second left back. Who's an actual left back. Who will probably end up playing the bulk of the games? Yeah, I just don't know who you go for. Who uh, who ticks all of those boxes that City can get at a price that won't be cityfied? I'm not sure that you're going to find people who aren't cityfied at this point. Fair enough. So you just, just accept you it. Just, there's there comes a point where obviously take a hard line in negotiations, but you can't. There it's there comes a point where you can't let people get away. That, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, do you think Jorginho at any point regretted not being on the other side on on Sunday? 
It really is difficult to say because I see people talking about how City dodged a bullet by not getting him. And I my take on that is that I think he'd be playing much better in this system. under Pep Guardiola. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, think I don't would, think it's him that much stuck. more suitable team. And this is something I wanted to talk about uh, with regards to Chelsea. Um, because I look at Chelsea and I see a manager with a team that doesn't suit him. And this is the the problem with what Chelsea do. I think that City and Chelsea are two fascinating contrasts because they are both in that, that lump together in that um, unearned money, whatever criticisms you want to lob at them. Um, but they're both teams that are wealthy on account of their owners, and they are both teams that have used their owner's wealth um, to become very successful in the English in the English game. But what Chelsea have done it very differently in that their their long term planning they they go from manager to manager to manager. They don't seem to have like that greater vision of what they want to be stylistically. Um, it just sort of comes down to whoever's in charge at the moment, and they keep going from manager to manager to manager that don't have things in common stylistically. Maurizio Sarri is a completely different manager than Antonio Conte, who was a completely different manager from Jose Mourinho. They've left a lot of they let a lot of big figures leave over the years. They haven't replaced them. And then you you bring Sarri in. It's depleted their youth system. Yeah, they, they, they have some good youth players, but they either sell them or don't use them. Like Hudson Odoi is trying to force his way out now because he can't get a freaking game there. Um, and 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 they go from. Maurizio Sarri is a completely different manager to Antonio Conte, and you bring him in and you give him Jorginho and you say, here, make this work. It's not going to work. You got to bet. If you're going to hire a guy like Sarri who's so reliant on his system, it would be like City bringing in Guardiola and then buying him a bunch of like guys who lump it forward and go route one and say, here, win with it. It just doesn't make any sense. And then he struggles with it, and then all of a sudden the knives are out for the manager. I don't think that's fair to him at all. Because I don't think he's been backed um, with nearly enough. And, and obviously, you know, there are going to be people out there who are like, oh, well, why can't you, if you're such a good coach, win with the guys that you got? Ask even Pat Guardiola in his first season oh, in England. Uh, struggle. Win with the guys you have. Yeah. If you're such a good coach, make these guys win. Make these guys better. If that's the way it worked, no team would ever sign anybody. Yeah, and I would say to those people, look, even Pep Guardiola in his first season in England um, is struggled for a lot of the season because he didn't have the personnel, especially at the fullback positions, to do what he needed to do. Um, he ended up finishing third. They ended up, you know, having a solid season, but it wasn't a great season. Mm-hmm. And obviously we saw what they did last year. And it's just an issue of, 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 it reminds me of that in a way, except that I don't have as much faith in Chelsea to back Sarri in the market as I did in City to back Guardiola and give him what he needed. I don't don't know what they think is going to happen when they do stuff like this, and it's being borne out now. That team does not have the top-level talent to go to, 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 to challenge for the title. It's kind of amazing that they held on as long as they did. They were unbeaten for quite a while this year. Yeah, it really, it was kind of surprising to see them go from this, I guess, ostensibly uh, uh, challenge, uh, title challenger and 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 team up there at the top with Liverpool and City to, 
this. Yeah, like, like as as it stands, I don't think they're going to make the top four. You United have significantly outplayed them, and maybe is you know maybe that turns around for the rest of the season. But right now, you you have to feel better about United winning more games than Chelsea because Chelsea every time they go away from home, you know they get taken apart by Bournemouth. That shouldn't happen. They've got one of the best players in the world who openly wants out, by the way, and they frankly should let him go last summer. I know that you can't just replace Eden Hazard, but bad things happen when you insist on keeping guys who don't want to be there. Yeah. Is that, that animosity and that resentment and mentally, Eden Hazard, yeah, mentally, Eden Hazard has been at Real Madrid since the end of the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And, and he may be headed to Barca. It's it's all just very, you know, and I understand people like, well, players shouldn't have that much power, but they haven't really tried to smooth things over with him, it feels like. It's just like, oh, we'll deal with this in a year. Players should absolutely have that much power yeah. because you see what happens when you give ownership power in the MLB. Cough, collusion, cough, cough. Mm-hmm. Collusion and in the NFL. It's it's all very very very, I, I just the way Chelsea run their club does not feel conducive to long term success for me, because no, they, they've be been built. surpassed by a lot of teams. They're not the rich kids anymore. They're still wealthy, but so are other people, and those other people are using their wealth way more efficiently than they are. Yeah. Right now, Sheikh Mansour is like the Bezos of... Tottenham, Tottenham are, like, lapping them, and Tottenham didn't buy anybody this summer. That should embarrass them. Um, a week from now, they are traveling to Schalke 04. Okay. To, uh, for the first leg of the Champions League. Let's A brief primer on Schalke. They are currently in the Bundesliga. They are currently. Good to know sitting, they have They are currently sitting. You won't believe this. In 14th place, they have won six of their 21 games. Their goal difference is minus seven. They are literally just seven points off of the relegation playoff spot in the Bundesliga. I didn't realize they were doing this badly <laughs> mm. until I looked it up just now. I thought I knew they weren't doing great, but I didn't think that they were literally in right. the, like they the bottom five. Um, so I would say on the evidence, City should be feeling pretty good about this draw here, huh? <laughs> yeah, this should be a good run. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. That's. I I don't think that City really have many concerns. Should really obviously. No, I can't concerned. see but what they would. They'd I mean, have they to. Gotta, they got to see this tie through. They got to they got to see them off. No doubt in my mind. So, um, what else? Um, okay. Um, so one thing before. Oh, never mind, because we don't do that. Um. Yeah, let's just uh, let's take a quick look ahead at some of those games. We'll do as simple as win loss. After that is the League Cup final against Chelsea. Okay, let's go all the way up to League Cup Chelsea doing nothing more than win loss, and then we'll look at Liverpool's schedule going up there too. And sure. if there's any room for makeup. All right, I have them both open, so let's do. It. All right, all right so we, let's let's just do. Uh, 
I, I, how far are we going? Uh, League Cup final. All right. Um, so first game for City is uh, at Newport this weekend, FA Cup fifth round. Win. Win. Uh, at Schalke 04 Champions League. Win. Win. Uh, League Cup final, Chelsea at Wembley. I think they win. They're playing better right now. I can't see Chelsea getting it together in 11 days. They're a mess right now. I can't see them. I can't see them straightening that out. Okay. Uh, Liverpool only have two games um, up to that point. Uh, First one, they host Bayern Munich. I'm going to say a loss. I'm going to say win because they're at home, but I'm going to say Byron getting away goal and keep the tie in play. Okay. I like that. And then at United, draw. Yeah. I don't feel great about a United win, but I think a 2-2-2-1 draw is... Yeah, that's that's my, my general feeling there. Awesome. All right. I like that. I think we've done well here. Oh, I'm sure that we'll be back. I don't, you know, I don't know when. I, I assume that we want to cover the Champions League after it happens, at the very least, because and also ahead of the League Cup final, that's going to be a big game. It's a trophy on the line. Um, so we will be back at you pretty soon, and uh, we will we will talk about all things city. Um, Follow us on Twitter at America Citizens, and you can search for us on iTunes at Ameri- uh, American Citizens to listen to the podcast. We are brought to you by Blog Talk Radio slash Spreaker. Um, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening, yeah, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody, and then we hope your new year has been fantastic. We hope so, too, and we hope that you have an excellent weekend. Indeed. Um, enjoy the game. Good luck to City against uh, Newport on that rugby pitch that we're apparently going to be faced with. So <laughs> thanks for listening. Have a good one, everybody. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.